You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Ravens. I am your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire, and we return here with our Thursday episode here this week again. Less than two weeks until the Baltimore Ravens take the field in week one against the Cleveland Browns. We're just building up to that time. It's really just like, you know, oh my god, I can't wait. And luckily, you know, that wait won't be too much longer, but you know what? We've stayed all offseason focusing on just what that game is going to be like, just what that season, this season is going to be like. And leading up to it, you know, it's been a fun ride. And of course, it's not over yet because, of course, unfortunately, the season is not here yet. But we're getting into our regular season game mode next week with our, you know, back to regular season scheduling. So it's just really exciting to just know that football is so close, but it still feels just uh, so far away. But we're going to get into our fan mailbag today, as is Thursday tradition here on the show. We have enough for two segments full of questions, but we're going to do that in the second and the third segment. What we're going to do here in this first segment is talk about another transaction made in the NFL. Now, if you listen to yesterday's show, we talked about if the Ravens should go after a running back like Alvin Kamara or Leonard Fournette. Now, the answer was no, and, you know, I think a lot of people know why the answer is no, but Leonard Fournette signed by the Buccaneers last night, and, you know, we're not going to get into that because that's done. The Ravens obviously don't need a running back. They're set. But another decently big name was released into the free agent pool yesterday, and that is former Patriots wide receiver Mohamed Sanu. And we did talk about this a bit on the show yesterday, as was, you know, we we talked about how the Ravens were going to use their remaining cap space, how the Ravens were going to use their remaining roster space. And as I said, if a guy becomes available, it doesn't matter when the guy becomes available. If a guy becomes available that can help this Ravens team, I'm sure Eric DaCosta will inquire. So we'll talk about if Mohamed Sanu is a good fit, what Mohamed Sanu has done over his career, if, if he's kind of done, and we'll talk about just how he could potentially, again, potentially fit in on this Ravens team. And then, as I mentioned in the final two segments, we will be answering questions from our listeners. So we're going to jump into all that right now. But before we do that, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere there's a podcast. We are there waiting for you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Eastern time. If you have friends or you have family who wants the other Ravens content as the season is coming up and they want analysis on the regular season games, recaps, previews, analysis from other teams' hosts, we have that all here. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockdownRavens and my personal account at KOSTRIKER34. So with all that being said, let's jump in right now. And we're going to talk about Mohamed Sanu here for this first segment. Sanu was released by the New England Patriots. And let's get into a bit of history before we get into Mohamed Sanu. Now, Sanu was acquired by the Patriots last year. He was traded for a second round pick, which at the time I thought was a massive overpay, and I think a lot of other people did too. Sanu, at that point for the Falcons, 
hadn't really done a ton to warrant second round compensation. I mean, in his seven games with Atlanta, he only started six of them, had 33 receptions for 313 yards and a touchdown. That's not awful production. It's 9.5 yards per reception, but I'm not paying a second round pick for that. that that's a premium pick. And ultimately, that, that was just too high for me. So obviously, the Patriots wanted to have him recoup some of that value that they gave up with that second round pick. And he just didn't do that. In the eight games he played for the Patriots, 26 receptions for 207 yards and one touchdown. Not what the Patriots wanted, not what the Patriots were expecting, and ultimately, they just decided that at his salary, he was more of a liability to keep on the roster and just decided to just cut ties with Sanu. But the history I'm talking about, because the Patriots traded that second round pick to the Atlanta Falcons, they had more ammunition to then trade for former Ravens tight end Hayden Hurst. Now, that pick that the Ravens were traded for Hurst was that Patriots second round pick, pick number 55. And we've talked about pick number 55 all offseason because it turned in to J.K. Dobbins. So the Patriots essentially traded J.K. Dobbins for Mohamed Sanu, and then the Falcons essentially traded J.K. Dobbins. There's a little more that goes into that deal. There was a fifth round pick traded that turned into Calais Campbell, but all, all in all, the Ravens got J.K. Dobbins with that second round pick that the Patriots traded for Mohamed Sanu. So just a funny little tidbit there. And I mean, it is kind of funny because of the value that the Patriots got for Sanu, that's nowhere near what the Ravens are going to get from J.K. Dobbins. He's going to, to light the world on fire, as we talked about yesterday. If you haven't heard that episode, be sure to go back and listen to that. But now let's talk about if Sanu would actually fit on this Ravens team. And it's really interesting to think about because, as I mentioned yesterday, the Ravens, they like their guys. That's the reason they haven't made a move on Des Bryant yet. That's one of the reasons. There are many other reasons why the Ravens haven't gone after Antonio Brown. The Ravens trust Miles Boykin. They trust Marquise Brown. They trust Willie Sneed. They think Devin DuVernay and James Prochet can contribute with ample, you know, timing and ramp up to their games as they get into the live game action that, that is the NFL game and the NFL speed. But here's a guy in Sanu who's a good possession guy, a decent red zone target. I mean, he's 6'2", 215 pounds. And he it's funny because on Pro Football Reference, they actually list him as that he throws right. He throws a right-handed thrower. And that's funny because he actually is a good passer. He throws the football really well. Over his career, he's 7 for 8 for 233 yards and 4 touchdowns. Didn't attempt to pass in 2019, but in 2012, he had a score. In 2014, he threw a touchdown. In 2017, he threw a touchdown. And in 2018, he also threw a touchdown. So Sanu somebody who can come in. You can run some trick plays with him. I mean, imagine Lamar Jackson tossing it back to Muhammad Sanu, who looks like he's on a reverse, but ultimately throws a bomb to Marquise Brown. <laughs> that, that would be really fun to watch. I would love that. But ultimately... Do the Ravens have room for Muhammad Sanu? As I just mentioned, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Willie Sneed, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet. Those are the five receivers right now who the Ravens are going to be relying on heavily, 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 heavily to be the center of their offense. And, you know, you also have Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram, J.K., the running backs. But those receivers are going to be the guys who, in the receiver room, are going to be making plays. Now, the Ravens are going to keep six receivers. I'm pretty confident in that. But... That spot right now comes down to either Chris Moore or Jaleel Scott. I find it very hard to believe the Ravens would ultimately keep seven receivers on this roster if they are also keeping four running backs and three quarterbacks, which it seems very, very likely that the team is going to do. 
So ultimately, the Ravens have to cut from certain positions. And the Ravens have hypothetically, you know, thought this over and said, well, I mean, where are we going to cut from our roster if we decide to keep three quarterbacks and four running backs? You know, maybe they do want extra depth at wide receiver, but ultimately they just don't have the space to do it because they need to value the positions on the roster. They want to have a future backup for Lamar Jackson because, well, Arbor Griffin III is great. He's probably not here for the long haul. They need to keep four running backs because this offense is very run-centric and they want to have enough threats on this roster in the running game to strike fear into opposing defenses and opposing defensive coordinators. Make, make them lose sleep. So Baltimore has a very interesting dilemma there with Lamar Jackson in his backup and his future backup with the running backs. So at the end of the day, Muhammad Sanu is nice to think about. I'm sure that he could take on a limited role in this Baltimore offense and be successful doing it. But honestly, I don't think that Baltimore has the roster space to make this move right now. If somebody goes down and Muhammad Sanu isn't signed, then yeah, sure, I say go for it. But really, I just think Baltimore is probably going to pass on Sanu for now and then maybe revisit him if he isn't signed by another NFL team and a wide receiver goes down who's currently on the Ravens roster. We're going to head into our first break, but when we get back, we're going to be talking about our fan mailbag, getting into our first round of questions. So stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, this season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one play. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. And we are back with our second segment of this Locked on Ravens episode. Your host, Kevin Ostriker, is still hanging out with you here. We just got into if the Ravens should sign Mohamed Sanu. But now let's dive into our fan mailbag. We'll start off this segment with three questions and then get into our last of the questions and our final one. And we're going to start out with Brett Gayhart. And Brett asks, hypothetically speaking, if both Greg Roman and Don Wink Martindale are hired as head coaches after this year, who takes their respective positions? Can't help but feel the need to retain Roman is top priority. I feel like the constant change at offensive coordinator really hurt Flacco. Don't want the same for Lamar. And Brett, this is, this is a really good question. And to be completely honest, I think both are hired away. Baltimore is one of the best at providing other teams throughout the league head coaching candidates. We've seen it so, so many times. And unfortunately, I don't think that changes. It just speaks to, to how good the organization is. But really, when you look at it, Greg Roman has led this offense and transformed this offense into an elite one with Lamar Jackson at the helm, with the pieces that he had. He did a great, great, great job, phenomenal job at that. And Don Martindale, one of the best defensive minds in the entire NFL, uses his exotic blitz scheme to just absolutely corner offenses because they literally do not know what's coming at any point throughout the game for the most part. Both these guys, I think, have seriously good chances to be hired away as head coaches for other NFL franchises. And that's just unfortunate for Baltimore because, as you mentioned, the constant changes at offensive coordinator did really hurt Joe Flacco. 
But this is interesting because you mentioned that, and now let's look at Lamar Jackson. Greg Roman had a seriously decent shot to get hired away this past offseason. That would have been Lamar Jackson's third coordinator in three years. That's not good. We've seen Joe Flacco change from coordinator to coordinator to coordinator, and I think it really did affect him. Cam Cameron, Jim Caldwell, Marty Morningweg, Gary Kubiak, right? So many more also where Baltimore just could not hang on to a guy because they were just getting poached away or they just were not doing their job. So now you have a guy who is doing his job. You want to retain him because, honestly, he's worked with some of these great quarterbacks like Colin Kaepernick. He worked with Tyrod Taylor a bit in Buffalo. He's done a lot with a lot of quarterbacks with skill sets similar to Lamar Jackson. So when a team is going to be looking to hire him, it's really going to be, all right, do we have the personnel? And I'm going to put a disclaimer in here. Greg Roman can do it with any type of skill set, any type of personnel. I'm not just honing in on these guys and saying, well, if Greg Roman doesn't get a quarterback like Colin Kaepernick or like Lamar Jackson, it's over. He's not going to be able to do it. Greg Roman is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. If he got a quarterback like Tom Brady, if he got a quarterback like Peyton Manning, he could do wonderful things with that offense. But his success so far has come with the quarterbacks like Colin Kaepernick and Lamar Jackson, who are more of a dual threat variety, which is not a bad thing whatsoever, because at the end of the day, they're all quarterbacks. If Greg Roman were to leave, if he were to get hired away, I think James Urban is the guy. The Ravens quarterback coach got consideration for offensive coordinator jobs this offseason, and I think he's going to get consideration for offensive coordinator jobs next offseason. Now, what's the best way to retain James Urban if he's getting offensive coordinator interest? Why don't you just go and hire him as your own offensive coordinator? Now, that wouldn't have to happen if Greg Roman stayed around, but in the event that he doesn't, I think Urban is the best replacement for him. And now Don Martindale got interest from a few teams as well as a head coaching candidate. I think he's a good bet to be gone. Who replaces him? I think it's Chris Hewitt, the secondary coach, has really worked his way up the ranks in Baltimore and really has a good reputation among all the coaches, all the players, and I think that he would be the guy to lead the defense. I think that Baltimore would be in good hands with Hewitt and ultimately think that he could be a great, great guy to be the next defensive coordinator for Baltimore. But, you know, let's enjoy these guys. Let's enjoy Greg Roman and Don Martindale while we can, because who knows how long they're going to be with the Ravens, so... So let's enjoy what they're bringing to this organization while they still have them in Baltimore. Our next question comes from According to Elias, and he asks, how much will the defense be affected by no fans? And this is a good question also, and this is a big talking point throughout the league, and it's going to continue to be a big talking point throughout the league for the entire NFL season. There have been some reports out there that Roger Goodell and other people throughout NFL circles think that fans not being there, or at least the competitive advantage, having fans versus having no fans, is very minimal or almost none. That's not true. The fans in the stands make so much noise, and especially on a team like the Ravens, who have the best fans in the NFL. I will stick by that. So let's talk about what it means for the defense, and I'll also get a bit into what it means for the offense. On defense, when fans come to M&T Bank Stadium and the Ravens are on defense, fans are cheering loud. Fans are trying to disrupt the offense to the point where they literally have to go to a silent snap count because they cannot hear the communication throughout the entire stadium because it's just so dang loud. 
for Baltimore, that's a huge advantage, especially for rookie signal callers, for others, you know, second, third-year guys, young quarterbacks who come in because they're not as experienced going to that silent snap count. They need that verbal communication with their guys so they can communicate a change in player, so they can communicate when they want the ball snapped. That is huge. Talking about the Baltimore offense now, I mean, it works to their advantage when they go and play other teams away but at home, you still it's great to hear the support from your fans. It's great to know that there are people there who seriously are rooting for you, want you to win. It, it's kind of a psych thing. So really for Baltimore, it's, it's a lose-lose not having any fans there. It's not an ideal situation. The only time Baltimore really benefits from it is when they're away and they don't have to go to a silent snap count, you know, if they go to Arrowhead in the playoffs or when they go to Gillette Stadium, right? That is what it's going to be for Baltimore in terms of, oh, this is, this is helping us. But I, it's really just going to hurt the entire league. It's really, really sad that no fans are going to be able to come into M&T Bank Stadium. And hopefully, you know, as we progress throughout the season, maybe more fans will be allowed in. But at this point, it just doesn't seem likely with how things have been going. Our final question for this segment comes from Julian Bosks, and Julian asks, I'm in Canada and would love to buy a cardboard cutout, but my concern is paying that money and never ever seeing it on the air. And also, he knows that the money is going to charity and may still do it. He's just curious, and he also asks if, he, if I have any idea as to how they plan on laying those cutouts. Julian, it's really interesting. The Ravens are going to be donating all these proceeds to charity. You are exactly right. You can buy a cardboard cutout to be placed in M&T Bank Stadium. They cost $55 US dollars or $45 for PSL owners. And all these proceeds do go to the Ravens coronavirus relief efforts. Now, in terms of actually how they're going to be laid out, I honestly have no clue. I couldn't tell you. But if it's worth it to buy one... I'm not going to say it's not worth it because in the off chance that you do get on air, you know, it's pretty cool. But let's talk about how the NFL stadiums are laid out for a second. When you talk about the MLB, when you talk about the NBA, it's kind of weird not seeing fans there when live action is happening because we're so used to it. We're so used to seeing, you know, 15 rows up in MLB stadiums, even just when it's behind home plate. When fly balls are hit, you can see so far out into the outfield or the third baseline down the first baseline. In the NBA, the players are right on the bench and then literally right behind them are the coaches. Then the next row is the fans. So you can see, again, 20, 25 rows up potentially. And it's crazy because in the NFL, if you really think about the camera angle that they use, the whole field is really in it. And then maybe you can see three, four rows deep. Even when there are passes in the end zone, you see some of the end zone fans, but you're not really seeing a lot of them. Really, the only time fans are shown is when the camera actually pans and zooms to the fans and puts that on the air. So are the fans going to be put on the air if they're just cardboard cutouts? In my opinion, I think they're probably going to shy away from it. I mean, there will be times throughout each game where the fans will be shown. I don't want to say that's never going to happen. I think it's unrealistic that that would happen. But if you're looking to, you know, see a cardboard cutout after every single play or after every single drive, you know, I don't really know. And your best bet to get seen, if you want a best bet to get seen, is to get it in the front row, get it in the second row, get it by the end zone. But again, I, I have no clue how they're going to lay these cutouts. And, and it's just a way to get the players and the coaches kind of to have that feel of an NFL game to an extent. Obviously, cardboard cutouts are nothing like fans, but... 
it's the best that they can do right now, unfortunately. And that's ultimately what it's going to come down to. So I think that for Baltimore and for you personally, Julian, it's definitely worth thinking about. But if you're worried about getting on the air, I don't know necessarily how likely it is that you're going to get on the air. It'd be really cool if you did. It'd be really cool if anybody did. But in terms of if you're banking on it throughout the entire season, it's eight home games for the Ravens, not the 16 because it's eight away, eight home. It's it's really a toss-up. I'd say 50-50 at this point. We're going to head into our final break now, but when we get back, we're going to be diving into the last of our questions, so stay tuned for that, and we will be right back. But before we do that, from September 9th to the 26th, join the Maryland SPCA for the Virtual Festival for the Animals, a classic walkathon to support homeless pets. Join a community of pet lovers, including Ravens General Manager Eric DaCosta, and take 3,000 steps a day by walking, running, or playing with your pet. Every mile completed will unlock $100 in donations to the Maryland SPCA. If they reach their goal of 650 miles, they'll unlock a total of $65,000. The Maryland SPCA has supported animals in Baltimore for 150 years. You can help them provide life-saving health care and pet food assistance so people can keep their dogs and cats and also adoption services for homeless pets visit festivalfortheanimals.org to take a step and support a pet and we are back with our final segment of this locked on ravens episode your host kevin onstriker still hanging out with you here and we just got into the first part of our mailbag but now we're gonna jump into the second and final part and again, as I've said before on this show, if you have multiple questions and it's enough to fill an entire segment, I will dedicate the segment to you. So this segment goes out to Danny Rothwell. He asked a bunch of good hypothetical questions and some prediction questions, and we're going to have some fun with these. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about who I think is going to do what Danny asks, just, you know, a realistic answer, and then also a bold prediction. So we'll get into the first one right now. He asks, who do you think will get the first sack on the year? So again, what we're going to do is I'm going to say who I realistically think is going to get the first sack on the year, and then also a bold prediction. I mean, realistically, first sack on the year. So when you think of sack, you know, that interior defensive line is a position that I really, really think is going to wreak some havoc this year. It's 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 difficult. I'm going between Calais Campbell and Matthew Judon. Judon is the Ravens' force on the outside. Calais Campbell is going to be their force on the inside. So what's my final answer? I'm going to say Calais Campbell, and here's why. The Ravens made sure this interior pass rush was up to par, made sure that it could be a game changer, and thus the Ravens then decided, you know what, our pass rush is good enough now, we can release a locker room cancer for, you know, to put it harshly, in Earl Thomas. That's really, really huge because now, yeah, Earl Thomas is a big loss, but you have that interior pass rush to make up for it. Campbell is just a behemoth of a man, 6'8", absolutely unstoppable and he just looked unstoppable in practice you know all the videos we've seen of Campbell that have come out from Ravens camp absolutely insane so I'm going to go ahead and say it is Calais Campbell now Campbell was a big sack guy in Jacksonville but you know only had six and a half in his final year and I mean you know only six and a half right that's more than the entire interior Ravens defensive line had but that's huge because now Baltimore has that not only sack production, but also Clayus Campbell generated anywhere, you know, depending on where you look at it, 70 to 80 pressures in 2019. That is massive. So I'm going to say my realistic prediction is Calais Campbell. My bold prediction is going to actually be Pernell McPhee. McPhee is a forgotten man. Went on injured reserve after suffering a triceps injury. 
but really was a great player for Baltimore and someone who was pretty consistent getting pressure, being a good force against the run, and sacking the quarterback. I think McPhee has a strong bounce back year. Now, obviously, he's not going to be used on every down. He's going to be a situational pass rusher. You could also sometimes throw in on first downs in obvious running situations. But McPhee is somebody who can still do it, even at his old age and coming back from being in Baltimore originally on that Super Bowl team. Now he's back for a second stint. Really did a great job, and I think he's going to be a great addition. And, you know, he was a great addition in 2019. He's going to come back and be another great guy in 2020. The second question Danny Rothwell asks is who will get the first passing touchdown? And he's talking about the wide receivers. Wide receivers, I mean, here's our realistic answer. It is Marquise Brown. Obviously, Marquise Brown is the wide receiver Lamar Jackson is going to be looking at the most in 2020. They have a huge connection, Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown do. And ultimately, I think it's just going to be too hard for guys to stop Marquise Brown with his pure speed. He's 100% healthy now, put on a ton of muscle and a ton of weight in muscle. He's a guy who is going to wreak havoc in 2020. And I, you know, honestly, he's their best receiver. He's their number one. And I mean, it's hard not to pick the number one and the guy who has put in a ton of work this offseason to make sure that he is an unstoppable force. My bold prediction, it's going to be James Prochet. And James Prochet might not get a ton of run at first, at least not on offense. Again, we've talked about how DuVernay and Prochet might not get a ton of run just because they're rookies right now. And rookies in this NFL and 2020 NFL, it's difficult. They're going to have to get up to game speed. But what Prochet has shown in camp, and I'm not taking away from Devin DuVernay either. He's shown a lot too. But Prochet literally catches everything. Same with DuVernay again. But what we've seen from DuVernay has been otherworldly, going up and catching one-handed contested passes and all this other crazy, crazy stuff. So for Baltimore, I think they're going to want to use Prochet early and often, but I don't think they're going to actually use Prochet early and often. It's going to be more sparing as they ramp him up to the NFL speed. So I'm going to say it's going to be Marquise Brown as my realistic prediction and then James Prochet as my bold prediction. And then finally, who will get the first pick six of the season? A realistic prediction, you can't say anybody but Marcus Peters. I mean, Marcus Peters was the guy who the Ravens brought in, made an immediate impact just for the pick sixes. And I mean, obviously the Ravens didn't bring him in just for his pick sixes, but they knew he has extremely high football awareness and extremely high football IQ, reads defenses really well, and also takes risks that, you know, sometimes pay off and honestly, sometimes don't pay off. That's just the life you live when you have Marcus Peters on your team. But I'm going to take that 10 times out of 10 because as we saw in the Seattle game, last year as we saw in the Cincinnati game last year even as we saw in the LA Rams game last year he can make an impact with those risks so I'm gonna say Marcus Peters you know I think he's gonna pick up right where he left off he's a great fit in this Ravens defense who's my bold prediction for this I'm gonna say Deshaun Elliott Deshaun Elliott is getting thrust into that free safety starting role it's it's gonna be a little bit of a platoon at first I'm sure the Ravens will rely on Jimmy Smith a bit Anthony Levine maybe they'll give a snap or two to Geno Stone But it's Deshaun Elliott's job to lose right now. And if you go back and watch Deshaun Elliott highlights from college, and even in the pros too if you want, but if you go look at his final season at Texas, an absolute ball hawk, someone who has those Earl Thomas-like instincts, I think that he's going to be a decently strong candidate to at least have a pick six throughout the season. 
He's a ball hawk. He can hit hard. Good football awareness again. High football IQ. Flies around the field. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows for Deshaun Elliott, obviously, but I still think he's going to be a guy who is underrated right now and will really win the hearts of Ravens fans all over the country and the world over once they see him in a full-time role. But again, it's the health for Deshaun Elliott. It's getting him and keeping him healthy. Right now, he's good. Right now, he's not injured. But if he does get injured, it's getting him healthy and just making sure he stays healthy from there. But obviously, hopefully, the Ravens don't get to the point where he actually is injured again. So my realistic prediction for pick six is Marcus Peters, and my bold prediction is Deshaun Elliott. That's all I have for you guys today. When we get back tomorrow, it's more Ravens talk from us, of course. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.